Start selling on Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash CNN for a $1 per month trial. Not to be all earnest on Maine or anything, but I got to tell you something. Working at CNN, it's pretty cool. I'm surrounded by so many smart correspondents and reporters and producers. Being around them makes me smarter about the world, and we love bringing that knowledge to you. But here's the thing. We only do one show a week. Our show is called One Thing. It's right there in the name. One story each week. Point is, there is so, so, so much news and interesting stories that we just couldn't get to this year. So today, before we say goodbye to 2023, we're going to do something a little different. This is Ellie Honig. I'm sending in my year-end little thing for David Rind. Um, Hi, David. I've got something for you. It's quite nerdy. I don't (laughs) know. This is really nerdy. but this Because I've been asking a bunch of my CNN colleagues to tell us what we missed, what flew under the radar or got buried by other big news. They also told me about the things they think will be making headlines in 2024, the stories that could shape the conversations you're about to be having in your group chats. So in just a sec, I'm going to step aside and let you hear from all of them. From CNN, I'm David Rind. This is one thing. And here are some other things. What's up, everyone? This is CNN's Omar Jimenez, and I want to tell you about the end of E3. All right. A lot of you are probably wondering, what is or now what was E3? It was one of the world's biggest video game conventions, and it had been going since the 90s, and then this year it ended, like permanently ended. It's no longer happening. It got hurt a lot, of course, by the pandemic when it had to be canceled. Then it went virtual. Then it really never recovered. A new day is upon us used to be sort of this central focal point for the gaming community, I'm a gamer, and where we would see sort of the releases, the new releases that were coming out, new trailers would debut, you'd see the latest and greatest from Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo. Ordnance drop inbound. Among the big reveals is Halo Infinite's multiplayer mode. We got a nice glimpse of what multiplayer is gonna be like with Halo. So all of these opportunities are essentially leaving forever. Now, the culture has changed and some of those opportunities still exist in the form of, you know, YouTube, Game Awards, other digital properties. But losing this E3 feels like a loss of culture. So I'm sure it'll be great in the end, but for now, it hurts. Anyway, we game on. This is CNN's Paula Reed, and I want to tell you about the impact that the Supreme Court is going to have on the 2024 presidential election. Right now, we're waiting on the court to make some big decisions about the election subversion case against Trump. Uh, The biggest thing is timing. We're waiting for them to weigh in on these bigger questions of immunity and double jeopardy, because until they do that, the trial really can't go forward. Now, the Supreme Court is also going to look once again at abortion. This time, uh, the question is about access to mifepristone, a drug used in medication abortion. But that decision, no matter which way it goes, is expected by July, right in the middle of the presidential election, which will put this issue in the forefront and really renew pressure on both candidates to address whatever the situation is. So the Supreme Court, every year it's significant, but this year especially significant for the presidential election. 
This is CNN's Jacqueline Howard, and I want to tell you about the ongoing drug shortage in the United States. This year, the nation experienced ongoing shortages of about 200 critical medications, including antibiotics like amoxicillin and life-saving chemotherapy drugs. Throughout most of the year, many of the country's largest cancer centers, they reported a shortage of at least one type of anti-cancer drug. Now, these drug shortages can be life-threatening, and they're not the result of just demand outpacing supply. They can be linked to manufacturing and supply chain issues. Overall, most of the drugs in shortage, about 84% of them are generic. And because generics don't generate a lot of profit, there's not much incentive for companies to make them. And a lot of generic manufacturing gets outsourced to other countries like China. Generics make up nine out of every 10 prescriptions filled here in the U.S. So this ongoing shortage will be very important to watch in 2024. This is CNN's Claire Duffy, and I want to tell you about some reporting that my colleague Catherine Thorbeck did in the wake of the devastating wildfire in Lahaina on Maui, Hawaii, back in August. A week after the deadliest wildfire in the state's history, Catherine spoke to Lahaina locals who were still grieving, but also banding together to protect each other against predatory outsiders seeking to capitalize on the tragedy by buying up land for cheap from locals who had just lost everything. The threats of those land grabs reopened old wounds for a community already too familiar with being priced out of their homes as tourists flocked in. Lahaina only just reopened its downtown in mid-December. So I asked Catherine, whose mother was born and raised in Lahaina, if she'd check in for an update. Mahalo for speaking with me again, Kaniela. It's, it's now been That's Catherine. She called up Kaniela Ng, a native Hawaiian community organizer whose family has been on Maui for seven generations. And what would you say the, the most immediate needs of the community are now at this point, four months out? The most immediate needs right now are stability in terms of housing and costs and just clear communication from those in power of what to expect. One part of their conversation that I was also struck by is that Kaniela said he thinks the community-based recovery model that they've used in Lahaina is one that could apply in other places when future climate-related natural disasters strike. I'm Nick Robertson, CNN's international diplomatic editor in London. And I think one of the stories that got overlooked this year was the ethnic Armenians in Nagorno-Karabakh being forced out of that enclave by Azerbaijani forces. Now, those ethnic Armenians had lived there for generations. And when their enclave was stormed towards the end of September, by the beginning of October, more than 100,000 of them, almost all the ethnic Armenians that lived there, had fled to Armenia proper. Now, why is this important? Because Armenian diplomats believe this shows a changing regional strategy by President Putin. President Putin has a vision for a greater Russia that will include all the former Soviet satellites like Armenia. And they fear now, looking forward to 2024, 2025, and this is what I'll be watching closely, that when President Putin feels his 
gotten what he wants out of Ukraine. He'll turn his attention to those former Soviet states, particularly the smaller ones like Armenia. And this will be a problem going forward, not just the overrunning of that enclave, but the implications for what it means about Russia's strategy, Putin's strategy in the region going forward. He won't stop after Ukraine. And that's that's what I'm going to be watching 2024. This is CNN's Pete Muntean, and I want to tell you about a story that I'm really passionate about personally and something that I think will uh, maybe change in 2024, and that is the mental health of pilots. This has been a huge topic lately after the case of Joseph Emerson. The off-duty pilot who's accused of trying to crash an Alaskan Airlines plane mid-flight. According to court documents, Emerson told police that Leading up to the incident, he had not slept in 40 hours. He had recently experimented with magic mushrooms and was also suffering from depression. And this has really catalyzed this important conversation in aviation about whether or not professional pilots should be able to get mental health treatment. The standards for pilots has really come to be understood as a stigma every time they recertify their fitness to fly through an FAA medical examiner, they're required to disclose whether or not uh, they've had any mental disorders of any sort, is what the form says. And so what happens is, according to the head of the National Transportation Safety Board, pilots are either not reporting and lying in order to fly, or they are silenced and essentially swallowing their pride and suffering. And what has happened now is that the FAA says, sure, we'll look at this, and they will recommend potential new rules to the FAA by March of 2024. So I think this is really a story to watch and could lead to some really significant change in aviation and transportation. This is CNN's Rosa Flores. I'm in Eagle Pass, Texas. And what you hear around me is the hustle and bustle of the U.S. southern border. I can see 18-wheelers coming into the country with goods from Mexico. And I can also see a group of migrants who have just crossed the border illegally and they're waiting under a bridge for Border Patrol to transport them to a processing facility. Now, as a border reporter, one thing that I'd like to see in 2024 is for politicians in Washington to divide the border debate into two, border security and immigration policy. And here's what I mean. Think about border security as everything that is law enforcement related, getting the bad guys, stopping the drugs. And immigration policy, think of the images you've seen on television of families, these are moms and dads with their children, turning themselves in to border authorities. It's two very different pictures. And I see this on the border all the time. So that's my challenge to politicians in Washington is to debate the issue, but split it into two, find common ground and fix it. This is CNN's Vanessa Yurkiewicz, and I'm coming to you from my couch with my dog, Harbor. Say hi, Harbor. 
All right, he's sleeping. Like many Americans, I adopted Harbor during the pandemic from the SPCA in Westchester, New York. He originally came up from a kill shelter in the Carolinas as a four-month-old. During the pandemic, we saw so many heartwarming images of empty shelters as every single dog and cat was adopted. But then inflation took off, rising to over 9% in 2022, and families could barely care for themselves, let alone their pets, and owner surrenders landed back in shelters. It's better than the streets, but now dogs like five-year-old Kylie in Washington State has spent two years at the Benton Franklin Humane Society. Kylie represents 6.3 million animals that enter U.S. animal shelters every single year. For some shelters, euthanasia is the only way to control the population and take in new animals in need. So what's to be done? Well, you can donate to your local animal shelter, adopt, don't shop, contact your town to see if they can help spay or neuter feral cats in your neighborhood, like my mom did. You can volunteer or foster, or you can spread the word about pets in need of a home. So one day, a dog like Kylie can be just like Harbor, (laughs) snuggled up next to me, snoring on the couch. We'll be right back. Shopify's taking the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing for your retail store? Upgrade your point-of-sale system with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. Get award-winning support and see why millions of businesses worldwide trust Shopify. Do retail right. Grab your $1 trial at shopify.com slash CNN. Start selling on Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash CNN for a $1 per month trial. We're back, and I know I said I'd step aside, but I really can't resist. Very, very quickly, I want to tell you about something that fascinated me this year. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. I'm talking about the movies. If you know me... You know I love the movies. Love going to the theater, love watching them at home, love just talking about them. And for a few months during the summer, it really felt like movies were back. You know what I'm talking about. Barbie and Oppenheimer. Barbenheimer. The world will remember this day. The two smashed all kinds of box office records this year. But more than the money, to me, this moment was about the movies themselves. Why would we go to the middle of nowhere for who knows how long? How about because this is the most important thing to ever happen in the history of the world? Oppenheimer is an R-rated, three-hour biopic with a lot of dialogue about the creation of the atomic bomb. Hi, Barbie! Barbie, which I should say was distributed by CNN's parent company, Warner Brothers Discovery, is about, well, a toy made by a former indie film star turned director in Greta Gerwig. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Point is, even the experts who thought they would be successful didn't think they'd be this successful. But it seems clear that Barbenheimer represented something different than the usual superhero punch fest or whatever else is on streaming these days. These were original stories and major events that sparked conversation on and offline. I say all this because 
it will be very interesting to see what kind of projects the Hollywood studios embrace over the next year after a year of labor unrest. Creators now have data to point to when they go in to pitch a movie that isn't a sequel or something that audiences already know about. They could say, look, people actually want this kind of stuff. So in 2024, I will be watching, pun absolutely intended, of course, to see if we get more of the same or if Barbenheimer is the foundation of a brand new Mojo Dojo Casa House we can all watch movies in. This is CNN's Meg Terrell, and I want to tell you about how people with super genes are helping scientists develop better medicines. Scientists increasingly can mine huge databases to try to find people with natural genetic gifts that they can then try to emulate with drugs. Now, they've done this for medicines for cholesterol that are already on the market, and they've done it for drugs for pain that are in clinical trials now. So in a big health database, scientists look for people with a certain characteristic and then look for whether there's something that makes them genetically similar. If they find it, they begin the hard work of trying to recreate that effect in the form of a medicine. This year, we may see this approach develop more in drugs for weight loss. It's already a world that's been transformed because of medicines like Ozempic. But researchers have identified genetic differences in people who are quote-unquote naturally thin. And now they're working to see if they can bottle those genes into medicines as well. This is CNN's Nick Payton-Walsh, and I want to talk to you about Haiti, a story which has not received the kind of global attention, the the collapse, it's fair to say, uh, of an island like that really should merit. By the UN's count in one period during this year, we've seen the murder rate there nearly treble, and a lot of that is gang-related violence, the police struggling to keep a, a grip on it. At times, reports of the police even being impersonated by gang members to the point where angry civilians have formed their own vigilante groups, brutal, often killing people who they simply suspect as being part of the gangs. A, a daily crisis there of economic woes, people moving out of large areas towards the capital, but the capital is intensely gang-controlled in some parts. The UN mandated an international kind of peacekeeping force that was supposed supposed to be a mix of police from Kenya. They've yet to arrive, and I think there are real fears amongst Haitians as to what could possibly happen worse in 2024. They've seen so much agony so far. This is CNN's Anna Stewart, host of The Tech Show Decoded, and I cannot let this year go without telling you about this. I was filming an episode on genetic technology, very nerdy, way more interesting than you might think, particularly when it comes to something that we will all one day experience, perhaps some of the listeners already are, the rather miserable condition of ageing. Well, there were some big advances in this area this year. I met a geneticist at Harvard Medical School called Dr. David Sinclair, and he's been researching the role that something called epigenetics plays in ageing. And it's all to do with the cell's operating system, if you like, which tells the cell which genes to switch on and off. Now, David Sinclair thinks epigenetics plays a big role in ageing. Imagine if the operating system fails and suddenly your liver cell is behaving like a heart cell, your eye cells behaving like a brain cell. You can imagine what that would do to your body. And 
Most importantly, he thinks this is something that can actually be controlled. So he managed to age mice by making cuts to their DNA. And then, most extraordinarily, he reversed it with gene therapy. Look it up. The pictures are amazing. The mice get less gray. They speed up again. Now, will this gene therapy ever work for humans? Who knows? But Dr. David Sinclair really hopes so. He believes aging is just a condition like any other that can be treated. This is Ellie Honig with CNN, and I'm going to tell you about something that's on the internet, but you have to promise not to look it up, okay? Do we have a deal? Good. So what this thing is, is a video of Kurt Cobain singing the song Everlong by the Foo Fighters. Now, some of you are thinking, but hold on. Kurt Cobain, the legendary frontman of the band Nirvana, he died tragically in 1994, but Everlong came out three years later in 1997. So what's up? The answer, of course, is AI, artificial intelligence. Some person, I'll assume with the best of intentions, but wow, used AI technology to take old samples of Cobain's voice and make it sing Everlong. And the result, my friends is dreadful. It's tacky, it's cloying, it's a crime against music and art and humanity. And that leads me to a story that we all need to watch in 2024. How will the law deal with AI? There are so many unresolved questions. What if this AI abomination actually made money? It probably already has. It has over 400,000 views and there's an ad before you can watch it. Again, don't watch it, you promised. But who gets the profits, the royalties, the AI creator, Cobain's estate, the Foo Fighters? Can the original artist sue to take this video down? Or to take it over to the political realm, we've already seen AI deepfakes of Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Can their campaigns sue and force websites to take these images down? The possibilities, the complications, the implications, they're limitless, as we'll see in 2024. I'm CNN's Josh Campbell, and I cover crime. There was certainly no shortage of it in 2023. But while we continue to spotlight crime and the work by law enforcement to keep communities safe, what about when the police get it wrong and send innocent people to jail? In one week in December alone, prosecutors across the country announced the release of four men who had collectively been in prison for decades for murders that authorities now say they didn't commit. A few weeks ago, I celebrated Thanksgiving with my family for the first time in 25 years. I got to meet the new 15 new member, newcomers of the family. We ate amazing tamales and I gave each family members a huge hug. I'm a positive person. Miguel Solorio served 25 years behind bars for murder. Authorities now say a botched police photo lineup led to the arrest of the wrong man. A nonprofit group that helped secure his release blasted police for excluding other key pieces of evidence. A new analysis of Mr. Hernandez's cell phone records by the FBI shows that his phone was not at or near the location of the shooting. Giovanni Hernandez was just 14 years old in 2006 when he was arrested for a deadly drive-by shooting. Released just before the holidays after the L.A. District Attorney reopened the case and brought in the FBI. I was innocent of this crime. This, uh, the process and the system that put me in there is definitely, um, definitely needs to change. Imagine being held for decades in prison for a crime you know you did not commit. These cases underscore the need for all of us to focus more attention on those wrongfully imprisoned. Because as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. so famously noted, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. 
One Thing is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Paolo Ortiz and me, David Ryan. Our senior producer is Fez Jamil. Our supervising producer is Greg Peppers. Matt Dempsey is our production manager. Dan DeZula is our technical director. And Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. We get support from Haley Thomas, Alex Manasseri, Robert Mathers, John Dionora, Lenny Steinhardt, Seamus Andres, Nicole Passeru, and Lisa Namoro. Special thanks to Grace Walker, Dan Bloom, Sarah Weisfeld, and Katie Hinman. And if you'll allow me to be earnest yet again, I know I say those names every week, but literally could not do this show without each and every one of them. It's a great team, and I am very, very grateful for them. I'm also very grateful for you for listening every week, for engaging with the show, for telling people about it. We obviously couldn't do the show without you listening, so I really, really appreciate it. And I hope you'll join us next week. We have another episode, and in the new year, lots, lots more to come. I'm David Ryan. Happy holidays. Talk to you later. Thank you.